Welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. We're two sisters on a mission to entertain and educate by learning from women who live a purpose-driven life. Be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. Today, we have Chelsea Scafidi with us. She is a social impact lawyer and a meditation guide. She is a person who truly is passionate about the world and is sharing mindful mamahood through her wellness company, Rooted Beings. Chelsea, thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here. It's just wonderful to be in your presence. You're such a calming presence. Oh, well, thank you. Um, Today, we wanted to go in and talk all about focusing on our careers and how we as individuals can stand in our personal power and allow your career to work for you to give you the quality of life that's your full vision. That's so I wanted topic. to, <laughs> that is a big topic, but yeah. we thought you were a prime example because you do share, you know, like the duality of kind of both sides, like the hustle mentality versus the very feminine, like nurturing side. And you kind of blend those two worlds together really beautifully. So thank you. I received you're that. Welcome. Do you, that. will you tell us a little bit about your law side and your path? to get you to be, you know, a social impact lawyer? Yeah. So I was actually a finance undergrad. And when I graduated, I wasn't sure. I had kind of always wanted to be an attorney. Um, and when I got out, of, got out of college, I feel like it was my first kind of, you know, split in the road as far as was I going to go right out of college and start making money? Or was I going to pursue this dream I had had of of being a lawyer. And, you know, I graduated undergrad in 2009. So it was a weird, rough year for everyone and for the world. And it was right after the financial crash. And so there was a lot of people who were saying investing in law school, investing in higher education right now isn't the right thing to do. Um, But I really felt called. And so I went to law school and I had always wanted actually to be a child advocacy attorney. And while I was in law school, you know, to keep it short, because I could go on for a long on this particular topic, I I dipped my toe in. I felt like I really tried um, to get whatever experience I could in law school to see what a career in child advocacy would look like for me afterwards. And so I taught, I, you know, interviewed a lot of attorneys doing this work and interned for law firms and worked for state agencies and did child law clinics and it just didn't feel right. And so that was really hard because I, I had now, you know, chosen this path of being in law school. I'd kind of gone on a limb here and the thing that I assumed was going to light me up and be something that I was really good at and all of that. Actually, I just found myself to not have any boundaries with the child law work. Um, I found it really disheartening I, it just, it wasn't for a variety of reasons. It just wasn't the right career path for me. And so I, I ended up, but you know, there was something about helping people that I really resonated with. And I think we've long like been on this train where it's like, you're either one or the other, right? Either you help people and you're this super bleeding heart, philanthropic, you make no money, you give all of yourself, or you're this 
you know, super uh, career driven, you know, living in that masculine archetype of, you know, I'm just doing for myself and making as much money and neither of those felt right. And so, Mm -hmm. but I did, I was, I, I did try to do a little bit of soul searching of what I found, like, what was it about the child advocacy that I liked so much? And part of it was that I felt like I was making an impact in some small way. And so after law school, I started working, um, I did a six month fellowship at first with the MacArthur foundation in their in-house department. And honestly, it was a great experience. I was really junior. I had just gone out of law school. And so it was fascinating. The topics were fascinating, but um, when that fellowship was over, I went work for a law firm for a few years in their business and finance to, uh, group. And I think that was helpful to really like hone my skill set of being a lawyer, of, of drafting things and, you know, just taking client calls and managing clients and really getting those, that, that skill set to a place where I felt good. And then I continued to advocate when I was at the firm about the things that lit me up. And I did a lot of things that did not light me up during those years. Um, you know, being in the finance group, I was doing everything from M&A to private equity to venture capital to debt finance. Um, but I had a really great mentor at the firm who was in the estate group, trust and estates group. And he knew that I was interested in philanthropy. And so he, I wrote a few articles with him on the side and, you know, kind of kept trying to keep my toe in that nonprofit world. And then ultimately I, um, when I left the firm, I came back to MacArthur. They had, they had an opening. Um, they kind of created a position, which was great. And I've been there for the last seven years and it's been just so rewarding. And it's really allowed me to um, fuse these, the two areas that I really wanted when I set out to law school, Mm -hmm. which was, I actually do really like the business and finance side of things. And I do really like the philanthropic side. And so, um, you know, it's not all of what I do at MacArthur, but I, a large part of what I do is impact investing, which is investing for a purpose. And that stuff really lights me up. So I love that. That, that was like a lesson in itself because you, you kind of zoomed out and you're like, why do I want to be a child advocate? You know, like what, what about this? It's like, because I'm making a positive impact on people's lives and you're able to do that with where you are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that we fall into feeling like there's one road. I mean, they definitely sell you that, Mm -hmm. especially in law school is like, right. Like you have to get this amount of, you have to get this LSAT score to get into this law school, to get these grades, to then get into this firm. And none of my path has looked like that. Um, and so it, it wasn't until, you know, probably a few years after law school that I started realizing that my path was just going to be different. And now that I've mm-hmm. talked to other attorneys and other people in my space, people who are truly happy with what they do, it's oftentimes the people who didn't take that path. Um, and so it's like equal parts thrilling, but also terrifying when you realize that yeah. you, you can truly create your own, your own plan and your own yeah. career. Um, and you and do can things be multiple things. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I follow the eight acceptances. So mm-hmm. like you said, like the masculine archetype, like that lives with all in all of us. But the one of it, it's like, I welcome all parts of myself, mm-hmm. the, the lover, the warrior, the healer, the farmer, the feminine, the masculine, the daughter, the son, 
the friend, the magician, the fool. So I mm, think I it's that. beautiful to be able to welcome all parts of yourself in your personal life and in your career, because, you know, we're not just these like sedentary people without brains or creativity or desire for more, Yeah, but being able to really accept all the different areas of us can help us create that life we want. We can be a lawyer and we can also meditate. You know, yeah. I can work in an industry with all men and still wear a pink headband and a dress. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It is interesting. Like a lot of us are changing the, the way things go. And yeah. I think that's just, you know, a lot about the work that we're doing in the mental health space with self-love and self-care you know, like women just being more allowed and independent to be who they truly want to be. Yeah. Well, and it's, I say this a lot to myself, but it's like when you, when you shine fully, you give, I'm sure you see that quote, like you give other people permission to do the same. Um, So for, you know, even when I began meditating, it was kind of something that I saw as like my personal practice, something I wasn't going to share at work or Mm -hmm. with, you know, you know, you kind of have like your different communities. And so for a while, I felt like I was kind of bifurcating that. And, you know, when I finally, you know, when, when we launched Rooted Beings, um, which is our meditation collective, and that was really lighting me up too, you know, that, that was lighting me up, lighting up different parts of my brain and different parts of my heart in a different way than what I was doing at MacArthur, but still the same heart, still the same brain. And it's interesting because, um, you know, once I shared with someone at my law job at MacArthur that I led meditation, they invited me to lead meditations at MacArthur. And, you know, it just, and it was just me mentioning, you know, that, that this was a possibility. And so then as I've continued to lead meditation at MacArthur, when people, when things come up that relate to the meditation world, they come and talk to me or, you know, when they're in the wellness space, generally they come and talk to me and it actually has given me another way of connecting with people that are already in my community before, but I was only connecting with them on this one level because I was only showing them one level of myself. Right. 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 Um, And so it's been a good learning lesson in that sometimes we're afraid to show up fully, but when we do, we can almost attract and um, give permission to other people to, to do the same and then to connect with them on an even deeper level. Yeah, that's so true. It makes my days go by so fast, though. (laughs) I actually enjoy them. Yeah. I wake up and I do private clients. So the first thing in the morning, after, you know, my morning things, I'll do two guided guided meditations. And it's healing for me just as much as for them. But then I go on my day, you know, working in clean tech, which is super stressful because I work at a startup. So it's, it's how it just, you know when you're ready to show up and really not care what other people are thinking, which is a mm-hmm. huge thing for me. Um, it, you know, your days become brighter, you become lighter. Right. It's liberating. It's, it's liberating. It's a lot it's of work up. to compartmentalize. I say it that really a lot. Is. Like whew, it's a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when I became a mom, it, you know, crew will be a year <laughs> next week. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that was like one more layer of, am I supposed to be, compartmentalizing this side of me too. And it was just like too much, too much energy, too much. Um, we only have a finite amount of energy and so right. to, to spend it 
trying to bifurcate ourselves in these ways instead of just showing up as me. Right. I'm a lawyer. I love to meditate. I love things in the wellness space, but I also, I love astrology. It's so funny. Actually, one of my coworkers um, who I work with on the climate team, she, um, I joined like an astrology group that is just, we meet monthly and they talk about some just different astrology things. And she ended up being in that group. And so now we connect on that too. Um, so it's just really, really freeing. Like yeah. Said. That kind of moves into the next area that I wanted to talk about is how much energy it takes kind of maybe hiding your true self when you're hiring. You're supposed to leave no stone unturned. And how do you actually do that? Easy. Partner with one powerful stone turner. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Something that I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. With virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash girlpowerful to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash girlpowerful. Indeed.com slash girlpowerful. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Do you need to hire? Then you need Indeed. That kind of moves into the next area that I wanted to talk about is how much energy it takes kind of maybe hiding your true self when you're not quite ready to show it, but then also how much energy it takes to compete with other women. Mm. And I know you are a great person for collaboration versus competition. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that's such a big one. Or collaboration over competition. Um, so I have, there's three of us, three girls, uh, three sisters, I'm the third. And so growing up competitions kind of like embedded in you, your sisters. I mean, obviously we were all really close, but there's always that little bit of, of just sisterly competition that's inherent. And, you know, I think as I've gotten older and I've stopped you know, really looking around me for what success looks like. My sisters and I are so different and I love them because of that. Right. And all of us have taken different paths in our lives and success looks so different. And so I try to kind of use that model to the world at large. And in terms of, you know, especially with social media, you know, I'm guilty as anyone, you start scrolling and everyone looks like things are going wonderful in their world And, and then you have, and then sometimes you have conversations with people who on Instagram and social media, things look like they're going wonderful and really they're not that wonderful, but you only see the shiny parts of someone's lives. And so when you're comparing your full life with just the shiny parts of someone else's life, there's always going to be a disconnect there. And so, again, I agree with you that that's wasted energy and, and honestly, more than that, it's a missed opportunity Um, because when we stop thinking of each other as competition, like here's a perfect example is you and I, um, you know, we both lead meditations and, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I were talking a few weeks ago, like I had somebody who wants to do a private meditation 
And I'm definitely sending her to, you know, it it could have been one of those things where like you teach and I teach and instead it's like, there's enough for all of us. One of my favorite um, leadership coach always talks about, I'm probably going to get this wrong because it's like a theory, but it's like the, the blue sea and the red sea. Do you know this analogy? No, (laughs) it's essentially (laughs) like the red sea is like, if you imagine that it's like a, like a sharky shark, like we, like in order for me to survive and thrive, I have to like, there has to be blood in the water type of thing. And a blue ocean strategy is just like, we all can live in this big ocean. There's enough. There's so much that there's enough for all of us. And that's true in every facet. And I remind myself of that all the time, you know, for rooted for the meditation, there are millions of people who need meditation. When I see meditation companies that are doing well, I remind myself of that. When I see lawyers that are doing well, especially in the social impact space, there's a million people who need social impact attorneys and who would benefit from having that advice. So like taking this out of like, it's about me and thinking of it as like there, there actually is enough for all of us to thrive and do well. And it's, it, it like allows those little gates over your heart to like open, you know, and it feels good. Like you and I, like our relationship continues to flourish because it's not, okay, you do something that I'm interested in. I do something that you're interested in. It's like, how can we help each other make the most impact? Cause there's, there's so much out there. I know (laughs) it's so true. And I think also it's like totally different. I don't know. We're just like different people. There are so many people out there to teach because Mm -hmm. I know like it's like less than 17% of people meditate or even like know what meditation is. Right. So it's like being able to hold space for people to gain mental clarity, to reduce stress, to have a more quality of life. Like we should both be, you know, doing that for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And the thing is, is like competition, you expect to see in some industries and some facets and some you're surprised by. So like in my law life, you're kind of bred to be competitive. Like, you know, you're on a curve, a really strict curve in law school. And so it's always you versus the next person on your test scores and only some right. people can get good grades. And so really trying to break that, break out of that was hard after law school. Um, I believe but, that. But, but you kind of expect it in that, in that yeah. realm a little bit. And I think, um, I think people are moving away from that just as a society, as a collective of, of just feeling that like, like it's healthy to pity people against each other. Like that gets the best result. Yeah. I think that used to be the mentality. And now I think people are moving away from that, which I'm super happy about, but on the, in the wellness side of things, you, you don't usually think of it being some, an area where there is competition or where you, you might not help one another. But I mean, when we were first launching the meditation studio, I mean, we reached out to a lot of other studios, mm-hmm. not geographically anywhere near us, but just to ask questions on like, how, you know, what did, what have you learned? And, and some people were so gracious and open with their time. And some people were really um, fear-based on yeah. like, are you going to, take something, you know, and it's just funny because in COVID it's kind of like everybody, a lot of physical places closed up shop and it, it became like, you could, you could chat with anyone that you wanted, you know? Right. right. Um, and, and you could really access people anywhere, but I'm so grateful to those people who, 
when we were first starting out didn't see us as competition. And I, I feel an immense amount of responsibility to pay that forward, both in my law life and my wellness life. Whenever, I mean, we're leading teacher trainings now with Rooted, right? Like we, we, you know, is that, is that possible that someone would want to learn to meditate and instead of coming to Rooted, they might go to one of the teachers that we've taught, of course, but again, 14% of people meditate. So you have 85% of the population I always think about even like the big brands, like there's a Delta Airlines and an and a United, <laughs> right. right? There's, right. there's, there's Walmart and Target. There's, yeah, you know, there's like, there's so many, but, but when we get on social media, especially because social media algorithms now are like geared to just show you what's in your world, mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, oh gosh, you know, like, here's where I stand in this industry even though you're, you're only looking at such a small sub part of like the larger ecosystem of right. people who are consuming and, and needing things and seeking, you know, whatever services that you're offering or whatever jobs you might be interested in. Yeah. And so many students, I like, I'm first of all, super grateful that you thought of me <laughs> to guide your friend, but it's, uh, it's also nice because like people resonate with different energies. So mm-hmm. it's like, if like, for instance, that girl, Ashley was like, I want to become a meditation guide. And I was like, you should meet my friend, Chelsea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when your ethos behind what you're doing, isn't coming from a place of like, I have to make money at this, but your yeah. soul is fed by offering it to people. It's yeah. You take away the fear and like the cutthroatness and you, because we want people to heal. Yeah. 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 Well, there is enough room for all of us. Yeah. I think that's a great, and I mean, I, I even like last week I was planning my son's birthday party and I got on the phone with this party planner and it was going to like cost a lot to have her full services. <laughs> and so, um, but, and I, so I kind of said it like, okay, this is more than, than I was really ready to do. And she just yeah. sat and talked to me and brainstormed with me for 30 minutes. And I kept saying, let me like you know, can I just pay you for like a consultation or an hourly rate? Like I want you to feel valued. And she was so kind. She was like, let me just, um, you know, I'll support my vendors. I'll give you, you know, I'll, I'll be able to make other people in my ecosystem to give them some business. And I know it'll come around. And I think that is so key. It has always come around for me whenever I have opened myself up or given time when maybe I wasn't completely feeling it. Um, mm-hmm. it's always come around to be someone has then connected me to someone who's then connected me to someone. So having that energy about you is right. so, so important. And so, um, I think just like grounding, right? Like I'm coming at this from a place of collaboration, right? Right. right Over right. feeling that it's you versus me. I love that. Me too. All right. And then I know our next and final topic is really embracing the feminine side of us because mm. we have been talking about, you know, we, I don't know. I think our generation, you know, it was nice to be a part of like the girl boss culture and the hustle, but then it's kind of like, we didn't really take a step back. Like you said, like, why am I doing this? Or like, what's the main reason for starting girl powerful or, you know, like wanting mm-hmm. to be more and more and more and really grind So can you lead us kind of through how anybody listening can tune in and embrace the feminine side of themselves and what that really means? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. I think, I think society has long taught us that in order to be successful, you have to have that girl boss hustle mentality. And I think what I've learned and what I'm continuing to learn is that there isn't one definition of success. And so when I got a good example is, so I got out of law school, I'm at a law firm and there's a track, right? Like you become an associate and then you become an uh, income partner and an equity partner and, you know, you like move up the ladder in that way. And when I first got off of that ladder and came in house, you know, I'm sure some attorneys could have looked at me and said, well, now you're not on this ladder, right? Where you're like, where there's Mm -hmm. like a consistent bump up in salary every X number of years and a consistent bump up in title every, you know, and, and there's like a path to ownership of a for-profit law firm, you know? Um, But the things that came along with that path were not serving me. I was so stressed. I was so um, just like fatigued with life. Like I didn't have time for myself. I didn't have time for my partner. Um, And I just felt like really depleted all the time. And so, yes, that pathway might have led to more money and potentially more notoriety, but I don't know because where I kind of landed was – a place that I feel, I feel good about my salary. I feel good about my title. And even if there's not these rungs, it's still, this fits into what my definition of success is, which is that I have, um, I know, I, I know the work-life balance gets a lot of, you know, clicks and it's much harder in practice to really implement that. But I think what it's taught me is just that you know, I, you start with, with, um, you know, people in that law firm, you're all starting on the same page. You're all first year attorneys. And now 10 years later out of law school, like our paths all look very different. And I'm sure many of us would say that we feel like we've had a successful career and they don't look anything alike. Um, so I think that's part of it is just stepping out of what, what is success to the world mean versus what is success to you mean? Cause success to me really means having time in the morning to meditate and, you know, having opportunities in my evenings to spend with my son and to lead group meditations, like all these different parts of me light me up. And, you know, I think you and I were talking earlier, which I think is a good, a good segue into this whole like polarity thing is it feels like you have to be, I experience this a lot as a mother too. Either you're like a working mom where you're, you know, your kids are with a nanny and you're like just this girl boss mom or you know, the more feminine energy side would say that, you know, you stay at home and you're, and I've always been somewhere in between all of these. And I think most of us are somewhere in between. And not only that, even if you're at one of those, even if you're in the more, you know, masculine energy at the time or feminine energy at the time from day to day, things look different. I know I took, I took a um, big chunk of time off after I had crew And there were days where I felt like really motivated to do a lot for Rooted and I was ready to um, dive back into into some MacArthur stuff. And then there were days when I just like really wanted to rest into the softer side of me and do a slow flow yoga and, you know, sit out in the sun with my son. So I, I think it's just realizing that at any given moment, we're probably kind of like swinging between there and that it, it's okay to be, to not always be one side or the other, to not really like be this goal oriented driven. I have to 
to like live in this masculine energy all the time and to not feel like you have to be on the feminine side completely either that you can kind of be both um, right. whenever you want. Like that's, that's the freedom and the beauty of being the author of your own story. Right. Yeah. There's this whole world living within us. And I don't know if that's too woo woo, but it's so true. And you know, all these urges and desires and feelings and emotions can come up at different times. So like, I think for anyone listening, just know and believe that it's okay to one day feel super motivated and activated and you want to go tackle your to-do list. But then another day, it's totally okay to be like, you know what? I'm resting. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to like, you know, do something that I don't have the mental capacity for because that's just how I'm feeling. Yeah. Well, like, what are, is liberating too. Like we yeah. saying like giving yourself freedom, but it's like really just tuning into your inner world and knowing that you have a lot of roles within you. You're not yeah. just one or the other. Right. And that you have like the pen, you know, to design this life that you want. I think one of the, the most powerful practices that, um, that I've really started doing is every so often just writing down what my dream day would look like. And, you know, you have to do it periodically because it changes as mm -hmm. you change, as you evolve. But, you know, um, 10 years ago, I might've said that my dream day was, you know, something work related in the law field or because, because I was just out of law school and like really hungry at that point to understand and to put into practice what I had learned in school and, you know, trying to get that practical application. And then like, as that's evolved, now, you know, there are definitely days where I think that my dream day would be to, and it is to do both. Right. And to yeah. be both. Um, and so just, just like not shying away from, you know, showing up authentically and, you know, really getting away from feeling like you have to fit yourself in this box because I can't, yeah. we, you know, how you and I always talk about, like, you are a multifaceted human, um, mm -hmm. And we're not meant to fit in boxes. I think the only reason or one of the big reasons we feel like we have to fit in boxes is because of media. Like when you think totally. of a lawyer or you think of a, whatever it is, a doctor, like you have all these preconceived notions of what that person is or does. And a lot of times the people that are kind of the change makers are people who drew from their life experience and maybe had that role of career as a sliver of what they did, um, of what they do still, but but like they've also brought them their whole selves into the position to make it something that's different, right. To stand yeah. out. Um, and I, I, I was telling you a little bit before this call, I just, yeah. one of the biggest things that I learned in moving from a very masculine energy, girl boss energy at the law firm. And, and like, I, like, like I said, I still feel like you can be very driven in your career and, you know, and, and feel like you have these big career aspirations without being in this mentality of all I am is what I produce. Right. But stepping out of that and kind of leaning into this softer side of me, which it has a lot to do with meditation. I think the, the biggest change that that elicited was becoming more aware of where I am on this curve. So I could talk about this curve forever, but it's called the human function curve. And it essentially is a product of your performance versus the level versus the pressure, we'll call it. So performance is on the axis going up and down and then 
pressure is along the bottom. That's really the pressure of a situation. And all of us have this curve. So at the very beginning of that chart, you, you do want a little bit more pressure to drive performance, right? So if, they're, if you're feeling like really lazy or you're just feeling really unmotivated in the current role that you're in, maybe you do need a role that, you know, has a little bit more energy behind it. So, you know, you might move to the right and kind of um, go up the scale on that human function curve. But sometimes you also get to a point where you're so high into the, the pressure, the stress of the situation is so high that your performance goes down. And that's mm. kind of the inflection point of when you need to make a change. And that's really when I made a change. And when I hear of a lot of people making a change, right? Like leaving corporate yeah. America when they feel like they're so burnt out. And so if we can start to become aware before we get to that place, then we can advocate for ourselves. Um, sometimes right. I think about that, even at the law firm, like it wasn't their fault necessarily that I got to that point. I didn't, I didn't know all that I know now. And I didn't know to advocate right. as well mm-hmm. to say like, Hey, I need more space in my evenings mm-hmm. or I need to take on less clients. And so, um, you know, I mean, the business world can be so wonderful and can be so fulfilling, but it is a taker right? and it'll take what you're willing to give. And so understanding what you're willing to give, you know, um, right. you're, of course, that's you can find a something. huge lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it, when there's so much pressure and like, for me, it, it can become like disabling almost for me, mm-hmm. like with my anxiety or, or an all, all internalized stress Mm-hmm. So it's like in it being aware of like what my limit is and like how far I'll go. It's really interesting. And I know this all comes with age and like each year brings more wisdom and like standing in your personal power, mm-hmm. but it's so true. You know, now it's like, I went into a new career, having boundaries, knowing what I like, what will make me happy, knowing how much money I want to make to like build the life I want. Yeah. Um, it's just really important to know how much pressure or motivation or energy you need to keep going and keep getting better, but not yeah. let yourself go too high to fall so far down. Yeah. Well, and one last thing that is kind of not related, but it feels related. I've, it's been coming up for me a lot lately is as women, for some reason, we feel like it's like having control over our finances or like really digging into our finances is is something that we just shy away from a lot, I think. And I don't know if that's because there's a host of reasons why that could be, but, and I am guilty of it too, of just like not really looking at things and not really thinking about the future. And it is so, um, you know, I think maybe some of that is because people think of that as more of like a masculine energy too, of like managing my finances, but it is so empowering when you like really sit down and, like I've been putting myself on a budget and it actually like, it sounds like negative, but it's, it's, it makes me feel good because I am like in control of, of that part of my life. Instead of, I used to just be like, so laissez-faire, like, I'm not going to look at anything, and, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's like yeah. part of being like, part of being a woman who is, you know, self-sufficient and whatever that means for you is looking at your finances and, and having boundaries with yourself too, of like, this is what I'm, this is what lights me up. This is what I care about. Like I am someone that loves traveling. I will, I will spend my money on traveling. I'm not someone that has like a lot of fancy purses, you know, like 
making those, making those distinctions of like, what does the world think that you need to have to indicate your success versus like, where can you spend your time and energy in a way that is most going to light you up, which is right. You know, that's the whole, that's the whole goal. That's the whole goal. That is Chelsea. This has been a wonderful conversation. I could talk to you forever. Thank you. I know we're just welcoming all parts of ourselves today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, tell everybody, I want you to say your personal Instagram and then your rooted beings because you do post beautiful um, posts on Instagram about motherhood, which I think needs to be shared more. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my, my personal Instagram is at Chelsea Scafidi and then, uh, the rooted meditation collective is, um, at rooted beings, plural on Instagram. So thank you. I'll put so much. Yes. I'll put that in the show notes so people can find you, but thank you so much. Oh, wait, really quick. We always ask every guest, what makes you feel the most alive? Oh, the most alive. I would probably say tapping into my five senses. Like I try to do that throughout the day just to remind myself. Um, so yeah, to, you know, what, like just taking a moment to think of like what I can smell, what is the soundtrack of this moment sound like, like what mm-hmm. can I see? Um, so just really tapping into those five senses is what makes me feel alive. And what in science has shown what kind of imprints a moment on our heart is tapping into those senses that's beautiful well thank you so so much i appreciate you all right bye bye Bye. chelsea thanks to our guest for more information on her see the show notes Please hit subscribe if you have not already. That way, a new episode is delivered directly to your feed every day.